This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. They tried to make me go to rehab, I said no, no, no. Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, no, no, no. I ain't got the time, and if my daddy thinks I'm fine, they tried to make me go to rehab. Good evening and welcome to Hooked, Joy 94.9's program about addiction. Research shows that the LGBTI community has addiction problems of at least twice that of the general population and we want to explore why and how this has come about. There are many suffering addiction, many more that are affected by those in active addiction and people that are grateful in recovery. My name is David. Hi David, my name is Russ. What are some of the reasons behind this problem? Are there pathways towards recovery and change? How does addiction affect loved ones, family members and partners for those in active recovery? You know, you and I aren't experts in this field. We're just a couple of friends who got together and we both happen to be in recovery. But we do believe there is a need for this conversation in our community. There's a Facebook page associated with Hooked. It's called Hooked on Joy 94.9 if you'd like to follow this program. If you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program raises issues that cause distress, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36. Now, this week we're going to be talking about alcohol and we will be uh, discussing alcohol as a, uh, a problem and an issue and we're going to have what I like to call a recovery meeting. Yeah, a 12-step recovery meeting. Yep. Now, there are lots of 12-step programs around yes. and that's why we've decided to call it a 12 step meetings. So, um, look, you know, I want to know all about them as well. And hopefully, if you're listening in, you'd like to know about them. Uh, We've got a few guests in the studio, so it'll be a busy sort of time through the hour. Uh, Most of the 12-step meetings are set up in the same way. Is that right, Russ? They are, correct. Absolutely. There's a a set format. And uh, whether you're in um, Alcoholics Anonymous or Drugs or Drugs Anonymous, is it called? No, it's called uh, Narcotics Anonymous. So, um, Um, Eating eating Anonymous. Yes, um, EA. And um, there's Sex. Slur, yeah, yeah, which is okay. which you can go to as well. So, but they all are structured in the same way, is that right? Yep, twelve-step recovery meetings we call them. So, so uh, look, I'm going to take a back seat here because mm. I want to find out how these meetings are run, and I'm going to leave it up to you, Russ. Okay, so how we're going to start the uh, show today is we are going to have a twelve-step recovery meeting, pretty much like you would expect in any uh, recovery meeting. And what we're trying to do tonight is um, take away the fear of people going to a uh, twelve-step recovery meeting and blow away some of those myths about how scary it may be for you or why you wouldn't want to go to a meeting to stop drinking. So on that note, I'm going to start with what we call a preamble. And a preamble is how we would start one of these 12-step recovery meetings. So the preamble goes as such... um, 12-step recovery meetings are fellowships of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and to help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. And the purpose of reading something like that out is, is just to give everybody five or ten minutes to sit back, chill, get themselves settled before the meeting starts and just to uh, let everybody know that they're in 
in with a friendly group of people. Now, at this point, what we do is we would then go around the circle or the room and we would introduce um, each person who is at the 12-step recovery meeting uh, this evening. So I'll start with the person on my far right, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Good evening, everyone. I'm Big Daddy and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Big Daddy. Hi, my name's Maddie and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, hi Maddie. Maddie. Good evening, everyone. My name's David. I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. Hi, hi David. David. And hi, everybody. My name's Russ and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, hi Russ. Russ. So what we do now is we are going to do what is called a share. Um, and um, what we ask people to do when they share it's, is uh, discuss their experience, strength of hope. And what we basically mean by that is we're asking you what it was like um, when you were drinking and you... Um, were at the height of your addiction. Um, what got you into a 12-step recovery program? What was the um, rock bottom that you had? And then we conclude by turning around and discussing how your life has changed and what it's like today now that you have chosen to um, remain sober and be part of a 12-step recovery program. So on that note, uh, we're going to start with our first guest speaker tonight, and that is Big Daddy, and he is going to do an ID share for us. Over to you, Big Daddy. Hi, friends. My name's Big Daddy, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Big Daddy. Hi, Big Daddy. I've um, been an Alcoholics Anonymous now for a few years, and um, I... Uh, um, uh, I'm lucky enough to have been sober for a few years now, and that's only because of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I started drinking alcohol when I was about, I'd say, about 16, and I got into a rock and roll band, and um, that's a fair, a, f a fair few years ago now, probably about 40 years ago, and um, alcohol was free and easy. There was no um, ra random breath testing, roadside testing and all of that sort of thing. So I did a lot of stupid things like driving drunk and, and all of those sorts of things. And, and that went on for about um, until I was about 44. I'm 63 now. And so um, um, a lot of that stuff, I grew up in a small town in western New South Wales. And um, I know now through clarity of mind for a number of years and having a uh, look at myself that a lot of my uh, alcoholism had to do with uh, me being a gay young man in a, uh, a, a country area where there was no mentor or any type of um, encouragement to be a gay person. Um, in fact, I didn't even know what a gay person was. My mother caught me dancing in front of the mirror in a bedroom once and um, she said to me, you're not one of those, are you? And I said, I don't know, Mum. No, I'm not one of those. And I had no idea what one of those was. Anyway, um, drinking um, helped me to cope with a lot of that stuff in my life as I got older, um, and it certainly was a gradual progress to uh, daily drinking and daily um, um, consumption of alcohol to quell my pain. Um, in my 20s, I studied. I even got married because, um, you know, there was a denial about being gay and all of that sort of stuff, and um, my drinking just progressively got worse year by year by year by year and the last few years it was absolutely disgusting and and my life revolved around having enough alcohol in my whole day to be able to uh, just obliterate myself 
Um, I even sort of uh, got addicted to Valium at one stage as well because I wanted to sleep all the time. I didn't have uh, any... I didn't want to be around. I just... Um, life was, was very, very tragic. Um, and I went in and out of a number of different uh, rehabs and, and at attempts to try and get sober as well. I, I even tried AA a couple of times and ego got in the way and... and um, I didn't have enough humility at the time, but then I lost my job. Um, I was about to lose my partner, and um, and life was pretty terrible. And uh, I ended up in a rehab in Wagga Wagga, um, and um, that was a long time ago now, um, eighteen and a half years ago. And I'm really glad that that last time that I went to a rehab, I got the message and. I've been in Alcoholics Anonymous now for that period of time and have gradually learned about myself and learned how to live my life without any drug or alcohol in my system. Um, my, um, I've accepted the fact that I'm gay, I'm okay with that, I'm, I live a gay lifestyle and um, the denial about all of that stuff doesn't exist in my life anymore. Uh, and that's only because I've, be, I've been able to go to AA and learn the message. It's, a, it's an amazing program. The, um, the groups, are, in my uh, mind, are groups that um, are people with a common problem and you walk in the door and everybody generally understands what you're talking about when you speak about the, the facts of your life and how you're feeling and all of that sort of thing. So there's a level of commonality and understanding in the rooms that really make it easy for you to be able to participate. Uh, and and uh, there are a number of different meetings around Melbourne as well in Alcoholics Anonymous that have different themes and different subjects uh, and different ways of being able to learn about the program and inf let those sorts of things uh, come into your life through osmosis. I can't speak highly enough about Alcoholics Anonymous because it's literally changed my life completely. Um, it allows me to live in a normal capacity as a normal human being. You know, my, I, When I was drinking, I all I wanted to do was be normal, whatever that means, um, but I would... Um, I could never achieve that and I tried everything to achieve that. I'd drink from the top shelf, I'd drink from the bottom shelf. I'd only drink every second day. Um, I'd only drink wine, I'd only drink beer. You know, all of these different things never worked. Um, and, um, and so Alcoholics Anonymous has been the only thing that's worked for me. Today, my life, as I said, is normal. I go to work. I get bored, I go home, I have a drink, I have a drink, nah, I have a, have my dinner um, and then uh, I go to bed and then I get up and do the next thing the next day. On the weekend I socialise with friends, you know, it's a pretty normal lifestyle and I only have that today because of Alcoholics Anonymous and 12-step programs. Thank you. Thank you for that, Shemark. That was greatly appreciated. Now it's time for our next guest speaker in the recovery meeting, and I'd like to introduce everybody to Maddie. Hi, my name's Maddie. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Hi Maddie. Maddie. What it was like, what happened, and what it was, what it's like now. Um, for three and a half, 30, 34 years, I um, uh, drank. Um, 
almost, uh, you know, weekly uh, at parties, um, all that sort of thing. Uh, the first 10 or 20 years, it wasn't so bad and there weren't so many consequences. The last 15 years of my drinking, I drank daily. I drank between two and three bottles of red wine a night. Um, and the last five years, I spent pretty much uh, after work locked in my house, um, isolating. I got to the point there where I was suicidal. I didn't want to live. I didn't want to die. Um, I was no longer responsible um, outside of, of work hours. Um, I'd um, uh, make arrangements on a Thursday night to have dinner with a friend on Saturday, but I found it impossible to stay sober on a Saturday. So by Saturday evening, I was already drunk, which meant, of course, I couldn't go out. So um, I had gastro, I had the flu, I had any reason that I thought you might believe for cancelling at the last minute. Um, people stopped uh, inviting me. I stopped even accepting. I stopped even instigating um, a meet because I needed to drink and I needed to drink every day. And on the weekends I'd drink and I'd pass out and then I'd drink again and then I'd pass out and then maybe if I was lucky. So I thought I'd get to drink again before passing out. Um, I finally came into 12-step uh, at the end of 2012. I came came in to get a girlfriend uh, of mine at the time back. Um, it was my last chance um, and it worked for three weeks um, but I didn't come in for the right reasons. I drank again and so on. It took me several months to, to be brought to my knees and to surrender to the 12-step program and once I did... I uh, followed and did all the suggested things, which is like get a home group, which means you go to the, the same regular meetings um, every week. You get a sponsor who can guide you through the 12 steps. Uh, you might do service, which means, you know, you might wash the dishes or you might get the coffee and tea or you might greet someone at the door. Just something where you can be accountable and responsible. And um, eventually, you know, I did the 90 meetings in 90 days and I started to improve um, I got a what we call a conscious contact with my higher power, a power greater than myself. Um, I came to believe that and that steered me pretty well and I was doing okay for uh, several years um, and I was benefiting uh, joining, um, I was benefiting from being sober one day at a time and when I say benefits that they weren't benefits like houses or money or um, heaps of travel trips, the benefits I had was peace of mind, something that I'd been trying to attain all my life. And the more I drank, the less peace of mind I got. Um, that, was, that was really key. I was also enjoying um, friendships within the 12-step groups. Um, I was hanging out, I was going to movies. I stopped obsessing about drinking 24-7, you know. When am I going to have my next drink? Have I got enough drink? God, what if I haven't got enough drink and I run out? I couldn't stand the thought. So my life when I was drinking was uh, run by alcohol. Alcohol was my master and I was alcohol's slave. When I got sober, it was the complete opposite. It never really occurred to me and eventually, after two or three years, I could go out uh, with people who might be drinking um, not alcoholically, but have a few drinks and it didn't bother me. I could go to a pub and have a pub meal and have a soda water and I was happy with that. 
and life was really good. And for the most time, it really was good. But life happens and things happen. And um, some things happened to me that I didn't like over the last um, couple of years so much. And some of uh, what I had known to work and to do started to stop. I stopped going to meetings regularly. I stopped talking. I got complacent. Um, one of my uh, character defects is self-pity and self-pity came back um, back in and uh, uh, complacency was sprinkled with self-pity is, is um, a recipe for a bust and I relapsed recently. Um, I was fortunate that nothing uh, too serious happened to me. I mean, in the old days I'd be drink driving, um, I'd be suicidal nothing really bad and but I certainly wouldn't recommend the relapse but what has happened is I've gained a new level of surrender and a new level of humility so now I'm back doing uh, 90 meetings in 90 days and the peace that I I had you know maybe a year or two ago has started to come back because although I have lost what we call the days in sobriety what I haven't lost thankfully is the experience of how 12-step works and the program works as long as you work the program and do the suggested things and that means um, doing not necessarily what you want to do but doing what you need to do um, and it depends, I guess, well, for me, I'm desperate enough to do all the suggested things. I want to live a peaceful, happy life. I want to be a decent person, a reliable person, a responsible person. I am all those things if I don't drink. When I drink, all bets are off and anything, I'm capable of anything when I'm drinking and God help those around me when I'm doing that. Um, I'm not a person that you want around. I don't like me. No one else likes me. Today, I can look in the mirror this morning and actually know what I did last night. What a wonderful uh, wake up just to remember what I did last night. My last drink a few weeks ago was, of course, completely in blackout. Um, I rang my sponsor and another, another friend. They've had to tell me what I've said and did because I have no recollection. Um, the only thing I can recall is the stench of the morning I woke up on the 29th of January with um, vomit all over my mattress, over me and over my carpet floor. That I can remember. Um, so for me, it's, um, it's one day at a time and, and that's what we do say in 12-step recovery. It's one day at a time. Um, the beauty about the, this sort of recovery is that the people in the recovery are the same as you. We might have different backgrounds. Some are professionals, some are mechanics, some might collect rubbish, some might be, um, you know, actors and singers. It doesn't matter. Um, we all have that common thread and that's what keeps us together and it's what is able to help each other because when we get into a meeting, all those things are left behind and it is just one alcoholic talking to another alcoholic and, and it's a, an experience I'm very grateful for and glad that I've never missed it. So thank you very much for asking me to share. Thanks for sharing, Aid. Really appreciate that. Um, I'd like to introduce now our next speaker and his name is David. Good evening, everyone. My name's David. I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. Hi, David. David. Uh, I dual identify, as we say it, because I like to tell people that my problem in 12-step meetings isn't simply limited to alcohol. Uh, I appeared as a guest on the show last season and I talked about my experiences of using crystal methamphetamine and sex. 
And today I'm going to focus more on, on alcoholism, but fundamentally when I look at my life, addiction for me was a form of escape. We talk about primary drug of choice in some circles. The government likes to refer to it as primary drug of choice. And I used alcohol and I used methamphetamine and I used cocaine. And I didn't use most other substances, but fundamentally when I look at it, I think that I was addicted to escape. And if I look at why I was addicted to escape, I can look as far back as when I was a young child. And I grew up in country Victoria, a little bit like Big Daddy, who grew up in country New South Wales. And um, I w it was the 1970s and I was in a fairly um, orthodox Catholic family and I was growing up in a fairly conservative environment. And when I was 10 years old, I experienced a trauma at the hands of a, a Catholic priest. And I won't go into the detail of that, but it was a traumatic experience. And between the ages of 10 and 15, I experienced tremendous fear. When I was 15 years old, I had my first drink and I felt great. And I found the solution that I'd been looking to for the fear that I'd been facing for those five years. 20 years on, I went to my first ever 12-step recovery meeting after a suicide attempt and a forced hospitalisation in a mental health institution. And when I looked back at 20 years of alcohol and drug abuse, I wondered, was that experience when I was 10 years old the reason, the catalyst that caused me to become an alcoholic? And I understand today, and it's another 10 years since that particular incident, that that was not the reason. I just became an alcoholic, and today I am an alcoholic. But when I think of escape, alcohol afforded me easy escape. It afforded me easy escape from social situations, from awkward environments. It afforded me escape from situations that I felt anxiety and fear in. And because it had worked when I was 15 years old, it worked so well throughout the remainder of my life for the 20 years that I used and abused drugs and alcohol. In my mid-20s, I was introduced to cocaine and that gave me a different kind of experience. When I was a guest last time, I talked about um, central nervous system depressants and central nervous system stimulants. And alcohol, like heroin, other opiates or uh, cannabis, is a central nervous system depressant and it makes you feel down and, and flat and, and happy at first, but it makes you feel depressed ultimately. And central nervous system stimulants like cocaine and methamphetamine, ones that make you feel up. And so after years, 10 years of, of using alcohol, as my method of escape, then I found a new way to sharpen things up and that was with cocaine first and then with methamphetamine. Now, it's worth saying that like Big Daddy, um, I didn't feel comfortable identifying as, as, as gay or same-sex attracted um, and because of the environment that I grew up in and probably because of the industry that I chose to work in, which is quite conservative, uh, I thought that it would just be easier for me if I had a female partner. So... At university, I made friends with a woman and somewhere along the way we got married and we were married for 11 years. The last speaker, Maddie, talked about one day at a time and I think one of the, the most fundamental concepts of the many concepts of 12-step recovery is that we live life one day at a time. 12-step recovery is full of lots of other great cliches and one of the best ones that I heard when I was first introduced to 12-step recovery was if you stay clean and sober one day at a time and r rinse and repeat that process many days over, then you can have a life beyond your wildest dreams. And today, 10 years or just over 10 years since I was introduced to 12-step recovery, I think that my life is one where I am living it beyond my wildest dreams. 
So 10 years ago, I um, had a number of traumatic experiences. I'd been living overseas for a long period of time, came back to Australia and in a fit of depression and, I must say, under the influence of several drugs, including alcohol, uh, I decided that taking my own life was the solution to all of my problems. And I was unsuccessful, which is fortunate. Um, I was sectioned, which means that I was forcibly institutionalised in, uh, in a mental health facility. And when I was staying in there, two blokes came in and they sat on the end of my bed and they told me their stories. And what I understand they were doing now is is kind of like missionary work almost for 12-step recovery without the religious aspect to it but it's where two people from a meeting these gentlemen happened to be from Alcoholics Anonymous they just came and they told me their stories they didn't tell me what to do they didn't preach they didn't lecture they just told me their stories and one of them was gay and I was able to identify with the story that he told me when I was released from that particular mental institution I continued to drink and I continued to use drugs but I knew that I wanted something, that I, I needed a, a, a solution to my problem. And I understood finally after many years that my problem wasn't the trauma that I'd had when I was a child. The, tr the problem wasn't the fact that I was married to a woman. The problem wasn't the industry that I worked in. The problem was that I was putting copious amounts of alcohol and drugs into my system. And I figured that the best way to tackle that problem was to stop. But I couldn't because so many times I had stopped drinking but I could never stay stopped. And what I found in 12-step recovery, which is fundamentally a peer support program, is a bunch of other people who had exactly the same problem as me. And they helped me to understand the cause of my problem. They helped me by sharing their experience, strength and hope, much as Maddie and Big Daddy and I have done tonight. Uh, they helped me to understand ways that I could live my life without needing to reach out to alcohol or drugs. Fast forward 10 years, a lot of things have happened. Uh, I got divorced, came out, not surprisingly. I was able to come out to uh, one of my parents um, before she passed away with my mum, before she died. Um, and now I'm in a, in a relationship, a long-term relationship with a man who has never seen me drink or drunk. You know, and that's quite, quite a remarkable thing to think about. All the people in my life, all of my colleagues, all of my friends had seen me intoxicated in the past. They had remembered when I had done things just as Maddie shared before that I didn't remember. All those horrible things that I was so ashamed of. And my current partner's seen none of that stuff. We have a good life. I have a, a job. Um, my, my days are full. And uh, as I said to Big Daddy when I saw him this evening... He said, how's life? We haven't seen one another for a little while. And I said, I get up in the morning, I go to work. At the end of the day, I have dinner. Sometimes I go to a 12-step recovery meeting and life is pretty good. That's all thanks to stopping drinking and stopping taking drugs. And the only way that I managed to stay clean and sober was thanks to 12-step recovery. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, David. Thanks, thanks David. Appreciate it. Uh, we are in the middle of a 12-step recovery meeting. Um, just to finish on that, that is typically what happens during a 12-step recovery meeting. People will come into the meeting, they'll share their experience, strength and hope and the key is to listen to the similarities and learn a bit from other people who are just uh, like you. What you can do here in Melbourne and we're very fortunate here in Melbourne, we have hundreds and hundreds of 12-step recovery meetings and we can... Um, 
look at those by going to www.aavictoria.org.au. You can also call AA Victoria on 9429-1833 and you can get help by calling that phone number, which is 9429-1833. If you identify as queer, we do have queer meetings in Melbourne. There is uh, two on a Friday night, one at 6pm and one at 8pm and we're lucky enough to have two new meetings starting in March. One will be on a um, Sunday night at 5pm and the other one will be on a Wednesday night at 6pm and we highly encourage you to get onto the AA Victoria website www.aavictoria.org.au and seek out those queer meetings. You don't have to just go to those meetings. We also encourage you to go to any meeting that you feel comfortable at. You won't be judged. Uh, me personally, I have never, ever been judged at a AA meeting or a 12-step recovery meeting. Everybody there is for one reason only, and that reason is to get sober. Now, at the end of these recovery meetings, we do all hold hands, a little bit of a kumbaya moment, and we do all hold hands and we say what's called the serenity prayer. So we're going to actually say that now. And we're going to complete the uh, 12-step recovery meeting with the serenity prayer. I can't get that right tonight. It's serenity prayer. And uh, Mark, would you like to say us out, please? Big to Daddy. a God of your own understanding. God, yes. grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thanks for sharing. Keep coming back. So that is the end of the 12-step recovery meeting and at this point I'm now going to hand the meet, um, the meeting, the show, back to David. We've just heard a 12-step recovery meeting on air. Um, it was quite an eye-opener and we do have one question. I'm going to direct it to Maddie first because it's from somebody called Lisa and she said when choosing a sponsor it's suggested to stick to the same sex for obvious reasons. How does this apply to same-sex attracted people, especially when you're home group is a non-GLBTI meeting. Now, first off, Maddie, what is a sponsor? Okay. Um, hi, my name's Maddie. I'm an alcoholic. A sponsor is someone who um, has done the program as in completed the 12 steps of recovery and can then guide you through the 12 steps of recovery, which is essentially a replacement for the alcohol that you once drank, you now can swap it for a 12-step program, 12 steps of recovery, uh, to replace that. And it's a, a blueprint for life. And the, the sponsor helps you uh, do that. What, and normally women would have a women's sponsor? Because this is what I'm trying to get okay, back to Lisa's sure, question. Yes. Men would have a men's sponsor. Uh, generally speaking, uh, in the heterosexual world, um, yes, it was uh, men for men, women for women. In the queer world, it's, it's uh, different. And for instance, for me, I identify as a lesbian. My sponsor is a gay man. Okay. Okay, so there is no uh, attraction or, or uh, issues with uh, problems um, that can arise between us. That's essentially why it's uh, men for men and women for women in the straight world. Okay, thank you, Lisa, for that question, and hopefully that's been able to answer uh, that sufficiently for you. Now, David, um, I heard that there's something about this program where you're meant to be able to identify with other people. Is that right? Thank you, David. And why, why is it, you know? We call identification recognising or admitting the issue that we have. In 12-step recovery, there are 12 steps, and the first step is about admitting that we have a problem and understanding what that is. Whenever we speak in a 12-step recovery meeting, we say our name, first name typically only, and we 
um, identify the name of the disease that we suffer from. In Alcoholics Anonymous, for example, one would say that they were an alcoholic. Narcotics Anonymous, you would say you're an addict. In uh, Overeaters Anonymous and Food Addicts Anonymous, people also identify just as addicts. Um, and this identification enables people to feel part of and to recognise what their, their problem is, basically. Okay, so what are you trying to identify if the story's the same as yours? Like, does it have to be exactly the same as well? But is, is that what you're looking for? When, when we encourage people to look for similarities in stories, it's very e easy for one person to hear another person's story and find lots of differences. And we encourage everyone who comes to a 12-step recovery meeting to try to fit in or to try to understand that while we may be male and female and young and old and rich and poor and gay and straight, that we all have the same problem. And that problem in Alcoholics Anonymous is a problem with alcohol. Okay. Um, now, Big Daddy, you talked about learning to live. Is that something to do with the steps thing? Um, for me, the steps gave me the ability to um, not only uh, live my life with alcohol, but it, it taught me to look inwards as well. And so when I did that, I was able to look at myself and change things within myself that I needed to, to be able to live what I called a normal life, you know, just get on with my daily business. Um, without the steps uh, of I'm an alcoholic, without the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, I wouldn't have been able to do that. I walked in the doors of Alcohol Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous thinking that I was just going to be taught how to stop drinking. I had no idea that I'd have to do some work on my, my own um, personality and, and my strengths and weaknesses to develop those types of elements of my personality to be able to live a normal life. So is that what the 12 Steps thing is? The 12 Step program gives you the ability to be able to do that stuff. So um, that makes me figure that if you do that and then what, you take the exam, you're cured. I'm never cured. Um, I need to take my medicine every day. I need to go to. I have a I have a regime that I've developed over the years, where I uh, that includes prayer and meditation. It includes a number of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous meetings during the week. It means talking to other people who are in the program. It means. Um, all of the things that I've learned in that 12-step program I do on a daily basis so that I keep what I've got. I never, I'm never cured. Okay. Well, so, so like, you know, if, if you've been sober for a long time, um, surely a drink or two wouldn't harm at all. I take the view that alcohol's never going to improve my life in any way, shape or form. Alcohol fucked my life up completely. Um, and I wasn't, as previous speakers have talked about, I wasn't a very nice person when I was an alcoholic. And um, I like who I am today and I like the things that are in my life and I don't want to jeopardise any of that. So for me, alcohol or taking a drug are never going to be able to enhance any element of my life. And, and while I keep doing these things that I've learned in Alcoholic Anonymous every day, I can keep what I've got. Okay. Now, look, David, this is starting to sound a little bit like a cult because you've got these secret meetings and uh, I know there's anonymous in the name as well. So, and, and apparently these go on all over town. Is that it? Do, do they go on all over town? They, they do indeed, David. Okay. So it sounds like a little bit of a secret society um, or is it just a, a big uh, kumbaya sort of support group thing? But it, it's all sort of held a little bit... So is it a cult? 
something that people often wonder, and in fact, 12-step recovery, one of the basic principles is, as Big Daddy just mentioned, prayer and meditation. However, when we talk about higher powers, and Maddie talked about higher powers when she spoke, when we talk about higher powers, we don't specify any particular higher power. I indeed identify as an atheist. So you don't need to be a Christian, a Buddhist or anything else to participate in 12-step recovery. But we do encourage people to pray, whether they see it as prayer to a god or a form of self-affirmation, and we encourage people to meditate. Meditation indeed has, in many places around the world, is practiced as a way that has nothing to do with religion. Uh, when people first go to 12-step recovery meetings, they see prayers on the wall, they see the word God used in some bits of the literature, and some people find that a difficult pill to swallow. But in fact, what you need to do is look beyond that. And you asked me the question before about identifying. I think it's easy to look at one group and say, no, this is not for me. And indeed, when I was first introduced to 12-step recovery, that is what I thought. But once I was able to look beyond the word God written in some literature that was written in the 1930s, which is the basic principle of 12-step recovery, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, as it's called, um, once you're able to look beyond that, I'm able to identify that this is a real solution, completely free of charge, that, as you just said, is all over Melbourne, all over Australia, and indeed all over the world. Yeah, well, I was about to say, you know, this... this uh, and you've just dispelled the myth that it's a cult, but I was about to say, you know, surely it comes with uh, strings. What sort of price is there? And, you know, how much do I have to pay to uh, to do this, this thing to stay sober? Often, ironically, I look back and I think it cost me an awful amount of money to get to Alcoholics Anonymous nah, yeah. because I spent a lot of money. <laughs> Crystal meth is not cheap and I wasted a lot of money on alcohol oh, and other come on, things. booze isn't that cheap either. <laughs> You're, right. You're right. But Alcoholics Anonymous is completely free of charge. It's a peer support system, no doctors, no fees to pay. Ah, the peer support. Once again, the identification, I suppose. Um, now, Maddie, you mentioned before um, that you'd had a bust. What is a bust? Yes. Um, Other than a pair of... No, I'm not going to say a pair of breasts. I'm sorry, I <laughs> yeah, shouldn't say uh, that. But what is, what look, is a bust? Bust is, bust is uh, one word. Uh, what we, we do like to, <laughs> to call it is a relapse, okay? And what it means is I was clean and sober one day at a time for six and a half years. So that was consecutive days going into weeks, months and years that I did not pick up a drink or a drug. Recently, I relapsed... Uh, by not doing the suggested things of the 12-step program and I picked up a drink. And that was, um, that's a relapse. So that's a bust. Do you have to figure out why? Um, look, I know why. Okay. Um, I, I've, I mean, there are lots of reasons and excuses and certainly uh, was a big year for me uh, last year with uh, my own illness and my mum's illness and this happened and that happened. But at the end of the day, the reason I relapsed is because I wasn't doing the 12-step recovery program in the way it was suggested, which is regular frequent meetings, being in conscious contact with my higher power, a god of my own understanding, the ocean, for example, um, talking with other uh, members and uh, prayer and meditation. Um, I took my own uh, will back and started to do what I wanted and started to isolate, not do what I need, which is 12-step recovery regularly. So it sounds like, um, what was I going to say? It sounds like uh, the buck stops here. It stops with you. 
Absolutely. I mean, I uh, too had a, uh, a tumultuous uh, uh, childhood. I, I was uh, uh, sexually abused. I, I've had a, I had a horrific childhood, really. But I'm a, I'm a woman today. Um, that was some of the reasons why I picked up and found drugs and alcohol uh, a solution for a short period of time. Um, but today, as a grown woman, I, I need to be accountable and responsible for myself. Or I can drink myself to death, or I can go to jail, or I can be institutionalised, or I could go to 12-step recovery sure. one day at a time and stay sober. Yeah, It's my choice. Um, Big Daddy, I was just wondering before, um, because you're the senior member here uh, with the sexy voice, and uh, I was wondering... Um, do you have to drink every day for like 20 years to be an alcoholic or 30 years or whatever? There's a, uh, another colloquial saying in, Alco- in Alcoholics Anonymous particularly that um, alcohol is cunning, baffling and powerful. Yeah. Um, which for me means that um, it'll sneak up on you. But some people, you know, just have a couple of drinks every day and, and it doesn't sound too Well, bad. they're very lucky that they can do that, in my book. They're, they're probably in that normal band of uh, a majority of people that can actually drink alcohol responsibly and not, be, um, not have any addiction. Um, I have a disease, an illness that I need to treat by going to a 12-step program. Um, for me, it's something that I can't live without. Um, if I want to stay sober. Um, It's not uh, something that is cured. It's not something that goes away. If I stop, like Maddie spoke about just recently, if I stop doing this stuff, I expose myself to a whole lot of things of... um, that uh, will creep back into my life. And as I said, alcohol and other drugs as well, I assume, are cunning, baffling and powerful and they will just creep up on you and eventually it'll become an option for you. I don't want to do that. So would I be able to tell if I'm an alcoholic, let's say if I'm 23 or 24, do I, is it... Is it something to do with the way, how much you drink or the way that you drink or whatever it is? It's a whole range of things. It, it can be the amount of drink, it's the way you drink, it's so a combination of those. Um how would you know? That's very interesting. Do uh, like David or we, we, Matty? We, we, we often say in 12-step recovery, it doesn't matter how much you drink, how long you drank for or what you drank, if alcohol's a problem for you. And that's the fundamental qualification. We don't say what an alcoholic is. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship that helps people for whom alcohol has become a problem. Okay. Look, it sounds like you all speak the same language, which is really quite amazing. Um, And I've really enjoyed listening to your 12-step recovery meeting. And it's been a pleasure to have all of you on. Thank you so much, David and Maddie and Big Daddy. Um, We've had a couple of late messages. Um, uh, How many meetings a week do I need to attend was just one last question. Um, Who'd like to answer that? Well, for me, um, when you recently come in, certainly when I first came into recovery uh, years ago, um, it would be suggested a meeting a day or equivalent to how much you drank. So if you drank every day, I would go to a meeting every day. If you drank on the weekend, perhaps two or three meetings. But that's something you can discuss with your sponsor and your home group fellows. Or just find the people, I suppose. Look, we're going to have to wrap this up um, and we hope that you've enjoyed tonight's show and remind you that if you're experiencing a meeting problems or if content of this program raises issues that cause distress, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36. 
It is important to move away from self-destructive reasoning. Recovery involves breaking the cycle of addiction, removing the trigger of negative thinking and restoring us to emotional sobriety. One of the greatest highs in life is feeling good about ourselves. Always remember that none of us are alone in this world and that the first step in recovery is always to ask for help. We want our community to be one of hope and look forward to your company next week as we continue to explore addiction on Hooked. Meanwhile, it's goodbye from Russ. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me, David. Goodbye. Joy 94.9 is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.